Our scripture reading this morning is from um, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 29. And Jesus tells this parable. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then, we, then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once, traded them, and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you do not, did not seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own, with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So today we finish our worship series, Waking Up to Gratitude. We have spent the last few weeks focusing on the abundance that is from God that is right in front of our noses. The first week, we focus on changing our own perception from that of scarcity to one of abundance, recognizing that what God gives us really is enough. You might not have the chocolate sundae that your neighbor has, but you have what you need in this moment, and it is sufficient, it is good, and it is a gift from God. We gave out gratitude journals, 
and, and we went through 250 gratitude journals. And we, since we don't have any more left, we made um, some cards that have the front of the gratitude journal, and then on the other side, it has the, in, the inside sticker um, and all of the instructions. And so if you wanna make your own gratitude journal, just take this and get some pieces of paper and start writing. Um, and I hope that if you do have a gratitude journal, you will continue to use that um, throughout this, this coming holiday season, especially as we look towards Thanksgiving. And then last week, we focused specifically on our why. The reason we give our time and our energy and our finances to the growing of God's kingdom through this church. God has impacted each one of our lives in some way. And because of that, out of gratitude for that, we choose to continue to grow in our faith and to give to God through this church. Today, we end with contemplating the return on God's investments. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. Enable us to be receptive to your message this morning and challenge us to live more fully in you than we ever have before. Through the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen. One of my all-time favorite shows is the WB hit Gilmore Girls. It's a show about Lorelai, who gets pregnant at 16 and leaves her extremely wealthy family and their life of privilege and societal expectation so that she can create her own life for her and her daughter, Rory. On the first day of Rory's senior year of high school, we see in the third season, that she wakes up, Rory wakes up to her mother sitting in a chair at the foot of her bed, patiently waiting for her daughter to wake from her slumber. And then Lorelai hands Rory a piece of paper, her bill. To Rory's puzzled response, Lorelai says, yeah, I've been crunching the numbers, you know, adding up what you've cost me over the years, raising you and clothing you and feeding you, etc., etc. I've itemized everything here by years and income ratio. And Rory rolls her eyes at her sarcastic mother, but Lorelai continues. One thing that is painfully obvious here, you've used an extraordinary number of diapers. Really, it, it's cost a fortune. What were you using all of those diapers for? And Rory glibly replies, I was building my make mommy go away castle. And she walks off to get ready for school. Now, obviously, this is a silly example, but it very clearly helps us to recognize all that parents and our loved ones invest in us as children. And that is just the finances. That's not to mention the, the time and the commitment to answering questions upon questions and listening to the stories and looking at the artwork and the hugs and the boo-boo kisses and the tears and the love. However, most of us don't think of these things as a cost to raising a child, but an investment. Teachers spend their entire careers investing in children, teaching them not only the basic sub-matter that they're required to teach, but daily lessons on manners and morals and social skills. 
and they sacrifice time outside their school hours as well as spending their, their own money on classroom supplies. Employers invest in employees. Church staff and mentors invest in church people. I'm sure given a few moments, you can think of many, many people who have invested in you over your lives. In the same way, God has invested in each one of us. We know from the book of James that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the God of the heavenly lights. Most basically, God has given us life. And God has offered us in this life gifts of grace and forgiveness and hope and freedom and eternal life and strength and comfort and wisdom and peace and many, many other soul gifts. God has given us the things that make us who we are, the abilities and skills that we have, teaching and accounting, problem solving, empathy for others, cooking, writing, fixing things, making others feel at ease and at home. God has given us experiences, whether it's our Jesus story that we talked about last week or particular struggles that we've come through that have given us a certain perspective or understanding, addiction, abuse, or family tragedy. And God has given us financial gifts, a retirement fund, a savings account, or $100 in the bank at the end of the month. Maybe it's simply a job that enables you to provide for your family. God has given us abundance, enough. The list we know can go on and on and on and on. Suffice it to say, God has invested and entrusted us with more than we often recognize. The question is, what is God's return on investment? A return on investment measures how well an investment is performing. And I have to admit, the first time that I heard this term applied to Christian discipleship, I was a little uncomfortable. How well an investment is performing. How well we are performing for God. It turns our relationship with Jesus into this transaction. God gives us what we need and want, so in return, we should give God what God wants. But then, as I dug in, because if something makes me uncomfortable, I have to dig in, and I have to figure out why. So, as I dug in, I realized that instead, this idea of return on investment recognizes that we have a choice with what we do with the abundance God gives us. We have free will. Like in today's scripture that Chuck read for us, the master was going on a journey. So he entrusted his property to three of his slaves, giving them five talents, two talents, and one talent, respectively. Then the master went away and the slaves decided what to do with that money. Two of the slaves invested so that they had more to return to their master. The other slave, however, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money for fear of what might happen if he lost it. In the same way, it's our choice to do what we do with what God has given us. God has given us each this this holy portfolio, the gifts and the abilities and the finances that are unique to us 
for the working of God's kingdom. So we can take our holy portfolio and we can use our gifts. We can practice them and and grow them and invest them and use them to bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Or we can be afraid and we can use them, we can be afraid that we'll use them in the wrong way. And we can allow that fear and that doubt to rule over our decisions and we can hide away our gifts thinking that, well, my gifts aren't worth anything. And then give them back to God in the same condition that we received them. Today's scripture from Matthew goes on to say, after a long time, the master of those slaves came back and settled accounts with them. And when he did this, he was elated with the first two slaves who gave him more than he entrusted them with. But then we see the master's, I think, very harsh response to that third slave who buried the money. He calls him a wicked and a lazy slave. And he goes on to say, as for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So does this mean that if we don't use our gifts to please God, we are choosing to be damned to hell? Because that's what this scripture kind of sounds like. We could spend weeks discussing this parable. But in short, no. I have reasons to believe that no, this does not mean that we are, we are damned to hell. But first and foremost, the master in today's parable does not reflect the God that we see described in this, the overarching story of scripture. One of mercy and forgiveness and redemption. Also, the master here hardly gives his slaves any instructions. He simply entrusts them with the money. But we are given instructions throughout Scripture. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gifts you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In 1 Corinthians 12, we see that the church needs everyone's gifts in order to be the full body of Christ. But that doesn't mean, just because we struggle with parts of this parable, doesn't mean that it's not useful to us today. Because we see here, and we can see in other places in Scripture, that God cares what we do with what we have been given. Otherwise, God wouldn't have given it to us. God wants us to take our holy portfolio and and do something with it. God wants us to take a risk for the kingdom. This church community at Brexville United Methodist Church has been investing in people for a little over a century. Several people in our congregation were asked, what's your why? Why do they come to church? Why do they choose to give their time and their energy and their financial gifts to God through this church? And here's what they said. Take a look. that was the perfect way to start this little video. I'm Deanne Kloss. I've been a member at this church for about four years and I was asked to speak on what this church means to me and what a blessing it's been and it's hard to narrow down exactly how much this church has blessed me but I've narrowed it down to two areas and one is the music ministry 
We are blessed at this church with strong, talented, faith-filled people for our music ministry. It's, it's awesome and I feel very blessed. Um, but I do wanna say that I think um, choir could use a raise. Just kidding. Um, the second area I wanna talk about is the fact that our church is a reconciling congregation and I would not have joined this church had it not been reconciling. And I'm so glad that we are being supportive and we're trying to move forward and be more of an outreach to the community for this, this reconciling congregation. And I'm, I'm happy to be a member of the task force that just started for that. My Why by Bob Snyderwine. I was raised by my parents in the way of Christ. I see God in your faces. You have welcomed me into your body of Christ. And I offer to God my time, talents, prayers, and presence. I come to church because of the people. I have developed so many friends and family members um, at church. Um, it's a great place to bring the kids and have them have a safe place as well. It's a place where you can come as your natural self with the gifts and graces that God has given you and flaws and uh, worship alongside some of the best people. 31 years ago, our daughter Jenny was born and we brought her home from the hospital, but within four days, we knew something was very wrong. We needed to rush her back into Rainbow and Baby's Children's Hospital. But we needed to do something with our daughter, Beth, our four-year-old daughter. And so we packed up her suitcase and we took her to friends of ours from our adult Sunday school class and asked them to take care of, of Beth. And they immediately agreed. And so for the next two weeks, uh, Beth moved from one house to the next house of our friends in our adult Sunday school class. And they got her to her preschool class and, and to her dance classes and to her other activities. Uh, and to Beth, it was a grand vacation for those two weeks. But that gift to Debbie and me was that we were now able to pay 100% of our attention to our, our daughter, Jenny, who was in the hospital. Turns out Jenny had a, a very severe milk allergy, which she eventually outgrew, and she's just fine now. Uh, but it was that gift of love and compassion that our friends gave to us that made a monumental impact on us. And that same gift of love and compassion is always available to everyone here in our church, in our church family. I'm passionate about being part of BUMC because I'm part of Praise Team. I love um, coming every Sunday, even though I have to wake up a little bit earlier. I really enjoy um, being able to play music and sing because that's just what I love to do. And it's just amazing that I have the opportunity to do that and worship God at the same time and lead the congregation. Um, I'm also really thankful for all the relationships that I've made. Um, it's really nice to know that like people care about you, and I've always felt that with whether it's at youth group or at praise team or at YSP. I really appreciate all the relationships that I've made at BUMC, and that's what makes me want to continue to come and to serve because I get to form new relationships with people, and I get to just do what I love and, and share my love for music um, and service with others. My, I have not had a why moment in my faith. My faith has been a long, slow learning experience 
trip. Uh, I'm comfortable here in Brexville United Methodist Church. I continue to grow in my faith and my church family surrounds me with love and care so that I can continue my journey. Thank you. I go to church because of the wonderful music, readings, and community. My why is to be a part of a community that builds a support network for me and my family. Also to be around other believers who can provide guidance and help to encourage a better life through sermons, studies, and conversations. It's up a little. When asked what my why is, it is these two beauties right here, my family. <laughs> it's very important for God to be in our lives in a lot of different ways. My why is I like going to church because we talk about God and Jesus, and they're very important people in our lives. What's and, your why? And my why is that uh, I singing songs. Excellent. One amazing experience that we have been able to participate in is the bread ministry. And that has just been incredible watching God's glory and all the abundance of food that we have been able to give to those in need. And it's been great to watch these guys help with the delivering of those and just to teach them the importance of giving, giving back. Another <laughs> wonderful thing that we've done was Vacation Bible School. And I never could have imagined a better experience. They really liked it. Loved it, yes. And we watched God's love just grow inside of all of us. It's truly amazing. So when you asked us again what our why is, Brexville United Methodist Church has been such a blessing for us. And between all the opportunities, we couldn't imagine being anywhere else. So give me a B, give me a U, give me an M, give me a C. What does it spell? Bumic. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Guys, I have to tell you, it's... This, that's what church is. Church is, is love and compassion and serving others and connection and music, worshiping together, seeing God's abundance in each other's faces, giving back, seeing people grow through things like VBS, family, coming as you are, being in a safe space. It's care and support of one another. And this is who we are at BUMC. I have been here just shy of four months. And I have to tell you, it's been four months of me, in some respects, standing in confusion. Um, because there are, we know there are so many churches out there in the world. Very few churches actually walk the talk. And care about these things and want others to know God's love and grace and forgiveness and really mean that and are willing to make space for others, 
to make room for others to be themselves in this space so that they too can know God. I see Brexville United Methodist Church as an outpost for God's kingdom here in this world so that the world can stop hurting. Then we need your gifts, your abilities, your stories, your experiences, your time, and your finances too to make an impact for God in this world. And I feel like this a little bit of tension this morning as you know that we're asking for money. But I hope you know that these stories and stories like this, this is why we need the money. It's not just to have money for the church, but it's to impact people for God. And these 2020 commitment cards, these are a way of doing something with God's investment, making a commitment that you're not going, going to bury your talents because the issue isn't what you have, but it's what you have, what you do with what God has given you. And God multiplies our gifts, and God uses them in ways and in dimensions that we can't even imagine, so that others might know Jesus. God needs you to make a difference in God's kingdom. Now is the time that if you are willing to make a commitment this morning to bring up your commitment card and you can place it in one of the baskets. If you still want to pray over it and work on it, then you are welcome to take it home and send it in um, in the mail, or you can bring it next Sunday um, or drop it in the office, and I'll be willing and love to have a conversation with you about it. But um, Malik is going to pr uh, play for us, and, and I invite you to bring up your cards as you feel led.